1: I just don't know if it got recorded, so I had to say it again.
0: So we're uh, we're talking about cocaine dependence today. And actually, we did cocaine. That didn't sound right. <laughs> we we did a talk on cocaine. Uh, it's been a minute. Might have been a year, year and a half, maybe mm-hmm. a year and a half ago. And so we thought, ah, oh, let's do another little talk. There was something in the journal.
1: Yeah, so the Journal of Addiction Medicine just literally, it was last month or maybe the month before on, I want you to say the word. Even, Chantix, Chantex. Except it's not. Well, yes, it is. Varenicline. Varenicline. I even put, like, how do you pronounce it there?
0: Oh, that's was Varenicline
1: helpful. for treatment of cocaine dependence. So this was just a study by Lynch and all that just came out. And so this is, and I will talk more about the study in a second, but we wanted to talk about just cocaine in general to kind of give a refresher course on it.
0: Now, I don't know if you talk about this, so correct me if you do, but, you know, Cocaine dependence isn't actually that common.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we would do talk about some of the epidemiology literally right now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I kind of figured.
1: So, you know, as far as cocaine in general, though, the use really did decline in the early 2000s. For whatever reason, you know, that was kind of when meth labs and all that were peaking, so it was more expensive than meth. Hmm. But That's It's going up. It is very much going up. And this was, again also related to meth and like crackdown on meth labs. So the home meth labs.
0: Well, and if you think about it, marijuana has always kind of been the number one illicit drug used in the world, I think. World. Correct. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think that's still correct.
0: And cocaine um, is far below that.
1: Yes. So if you look at data from the 2000 National Survey on Drug Use and Health. So this is, this is a little bit older, but age 12 and older and Okay, that's what's we'll the 2020 National Survey on Drug Use and Health. Excuse me. So at that time, age 12 and older, about 1.9% of people, so about 5.2 million people, used cocaine within the previous 12 months.
0: Not all at the same time.
1: Well, I mean, they could have had like a... I mean, this is 2020, so this is COVID, so maybe they all did one of those mm. COVID get-togethers. And of Zoom. course...
0: You know the monitoring the future study just came out just recently as well, mm-hmm. and it's at uh that was well twenty twenty two I think is out I think isn't it but twenty twenty one actually looked at eighth graders 02 percent of eighth, eighth graders had, using, tried, had cocaine. tried cocaine yeah,
1: that's a lot, I think,
0: and it goes up you know it's three times higher in the tenth graders at point six
1: and then twice as high like one point two percent of twelfth graders had used cocaine in the past twelve months, mm. seniors in high school,
0: yep. I, so it's there. Right. Keep that in it's,
1: mind. it's there. Um, and, and this is what kind of Kurt was getting at is it's really hard to have true cocaine use disorder. It tends to be one of those things you kind of binge on the weekends and then you're good. Um,
0: Most of the patients that I see use it intermittently.
1: Intermittently. But if you look at the data from 2020, there's about 1.3 million people. So 0.5% have an official cocaine use disorder diagnosis.
0: Is that of all users?
1: All people in the of last 12 months who had an official cocaine use disorder diagnosis.
0: Can you say that slowly? No, I just never mind. Did, okay. actually. <laughs> so the highest age bracket, of course, is the same as we see with many things, that 18 to 25. And, and really the age group right after that, 25 to 34. So that's the... And, you know, some of that is the going out, kind of in the bar kind of drug.
1: But this was interesting. I mean... It, it, it is all age groups. And I think that this one, you know, article really did talk about this can be all age groups, although it's just over a half a million people over the age of 55 actually use cocaine. So not a ton, but that's within the last month. So, but interestingly, when you look at the complications from cocaine use, not even official like use disorder, just cocaine use in general, men have double the use, but they also have um, mm. double hospitalizations for overdose. And they die from cocaine, triple the rate of women.
0: They lock up that heart.
1: Do you want to know what I think about that? If Ooh. you look at the age groups.
0: Is this like your opinion? Then? This
1: is my opinion, but I think it's actually somewhat scientifically based.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no,
1: it's the whole thing though. Like, qualify it. You know, women have, you know, superior heart health until after menopause. And then our risk of heart issues equalizes men at menopause. So, do you think just being a female somewhat cardio protects you? So, the question is in the groups that use cocaine, it's in that younger age group.
0: Yeah. So, the question is in that 55 and above age group where all the hospitalizations and sudden cardiac death happen, is there more atherosclerotic heart disease? Is that what you're saying? That maybe they got more silent disease, use cocaine. Have an MI. Right. Okay.
1: But no, the deaths and hospitalizations, that was any age group. Oh. Not just the over the age 55. That was any age group. Men die triple the rate of women with cocaine overdose.
0: It's because we men aren't that smart. Um, And of course, it's interesting too that it's it's much more common in the South and Northeast. So kind of the New York, you know, East Coast kind of drug as compared to apparently uh, North Dakota, South Dakota. Although
1: if you look at... Non South and Northeast states, the metropolitan areas have much more cocaine than mm. greater Minnesota rural areas. So, mm. anyway, what is cocaine? I'm just going to review this. It's a powerful CNS stimulant from the cocoa leaves. Hmm.
2: Erythroxylem. It's
1: found in Central I mean, in South you weren't going to say it, were you?
0: Uh, I'm not going to say the actual name. Erythroxylem. erythroxylem? Coca. Coca.
1: From the leaves of the cocoa. So again, it's
0: another one of those alkaloid derivatives coming from the leaves. Much like many of the things we've talked about.
1: Right. But unlike marijuana, which is a Schedule 1, so it's like, you know, totally banned from anything, cocaine is a Schedule 2, so it can be studied, and it is studied. And that's because there is some medicinal use of cocaine, mostly to ENT procedures. Yeah.
0: I mean, back when I was in medical school, which was more than 10 years ago, that's all I'll say, it was very common, even in the residency for the NT. it would sit in the rooms um, and it had tincture in it to make it taste bad.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I mean, when I did my ENT rotation, room, it, they weren't in the exam rooms, mm-hmm. but in the in the OR, they still were packing noses with cocaine. Interesting. So it can be snorted, injected, or smoked. Um, it impacts primarily the dopamine, like every other feel-good drug, but also norepine serotonin. And how it works is, you know, meth blocks the reuptake of dopamine and helps it extrude more. Cocaine just blocks the reuptake, so it's not helping the cells make or put out more. It's just not letting that postsynaptic neuron reabsorb it.
0: Well, and that's why when you look at the, you know, with those different charts of what the dopamine does after use of cocaine and meth, meth is probably twice as high.
2: Right.
1: So because it does both. It does both. And, you know, I guess maybe I didn't know this or didn't remember it, but that crack is more potent than powdered. So actually the smoked or snorted is more potent. So rather than injecting it, so the powdered is more of the base, the cocaine base, which is solubilized and injected, but the crack that you snort or smoke, faster brain delivery, but it's extremely short-lasting, four minutes or so.
0: Mm. So when did this get FDA approval?
1: What, verenicline, verenicline? No,
0: no, cocaine. Oh, Never. there is no F- Yeah, there, I was waiting for there, that.
1: <laughs> and there's no FDA-approved treatments either. So, you know, it's one of those things that it's hard. It's hard to, to take care of patients who truly, and I have a patient who really had cocaine use disorder mm-hmm. um, and then dabbled in other things, for other reasons, or he'd get too high from the cocaine and then would use heroin to kind of bring that down. Um, so the brain chemistry again, dopamine. And so they've looked at different treatments that target dopamine, um, for all psychostimulants, but it's really not consistently effective. And I mean, they look at lots of things and I'm going to skip this part, but they they really look at even N-acetylcysteine receptors and, and different all the different receptors in the brain. that Well,
0: and if you were going to mention all these odd receptors, I was going to suggest that you would post hand-drawn pictures of those on our website, but you didn't go there, so lucky you.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, But I do want to make one more comment about cocaine itself. So cocaine also, not only the dopamine, I'd kind of mentioned some of the other things, it also increases the acetylcysteine in the midbrain, Mm. therefore inhibiting the nicotinic receptors, which is going to be important when we get to varenicline.
0: Huh. Oh, so. that's a spoiler. I know. Um, anything else we need to know about this before we talk about chanting? No,
1: because that's, again, really confusing. So I'm just going to give the overall statement and then the hypothesis of why varenicline started to be studied because wow. there's three main...
0: You say that so clearly.
1: Well, there's four studies. Varenicline? Varenicline. I had to, like, practice So the overall psychostimulant use and dependence is cholinergic, dopaminergic, and glutamatergic. (laughs) Glutaminergic. That
0: that was easy for you to say.
1: (laughs) So the hypothesis is that if you lower the cholinergic activity at the alpha-7 and alpha-6 beta-2 subtypes, not important, but actually lowering the cholinergic activity at those, which is what veranacline does, it likely decreases the dopaminergic and the glutamatergic activity Therefore, interfering with the process of psychostimulant abuse independence. Wow. So, you by must,
0: you must have got this right from People magazine.
1: Well, oh, that was a joke. You know, there's been a lot of famous people who died with cocaine on board. So, Correct. you know, it did happen. But so basically, the thing is if you have impact the cholinergic activity, it will decrease the dopamine and the glutamate, which then decreases the abuse independence. Wow. There's your theory of varenicline. Hmm. So clean is only FDA approved for smoking cessation, but apparently does have some <laughs> efficacy for alcohol use disorder. And I don't know if you're going to. We're going to get to that. Yes, next. Yeah, next that's not a couple our, times the, from now.
0: One of the next podcasts we do will be on alcohol use disorder and the uh, antiepileptics that are used off label. But that's coming up down the road.
1: So. It is currently not only is it being looked at and studied for cocaine, as we're going to talk about, it's also in early stages of study for a meth use disorder for the same exact hypothesis theory. Stay tuned. So there is currently a study by Mello et al. Doesn't what? have a date on it because what? it is still
0: what's his name Mello
1: Mello. Okay, like Mellow Yellow. Yellow, <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yellow. So it's still in preclinical trials. Correct. So,
1: hmm, so that's they're talking all I can
0: about. Chronic, they're talking about taking it long term.
1: Long term. So what they're thinking, saying, trying to show is that dose dependently and selectively, so varenicline decreases self administration of nicotine alone, as we would expect, because it's FDA approved for that. But also for people who are using nicotine and cocaine, because well, that's how it's showing to be true in rhesus monkeys.
0: Well, and monkeys are a close relative especially right. to your family. <laughs>
1: so so as long as the monkeys who are doing cocaine are also smoking, it actually is decreasing cocaine use.
0: Seriously, they have monkeys monkeys that are smoking. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: So mm, that there doesn't is, seem right. So the whole study is looking at well, it works if nicotine and cocaine are together. It works when nicotine is alone. Can it work with cocaine alone together? Like mm. self-administrated alone. So mm. far, the, the bottom line of this study is it's favorable. But that's again cl- preclinical trials, that's mm. stay tuned. Well,
0: and it looks like next on the docket you have polling at L in 2010. Yes. And this was the first study to evaluate
1: Verenicline
0: for cocaine.
1: So, this is officially study number 1 and this is important that I'm naming numbering them. So, Okay. What they did, they I think they kind of went really excited here to me. Like that's what the study looked like to me was they took 31 individuals. So, not a very big number of patients, but they used cocaine, opioids and nicotine. Wow. So, we're we're looking at a yeah. So, um, these are
0: people that but they were also in a methadone maintenance, so they'd Correct. use those substances. But now we're on methadone.
1: Correct. So they had opioid use disorder. We're currently in an OTP methadone program. It didn't give the details of how long the methadone dosing. Da 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 da. They were just in methadone maintenance OTP. But they also smoked and they also still use cocaine. Hmm. So what they found was if you gave them two milligram total daily dose of brenaclean, it was not superior to placebo in the twelve week trial, but Those individuals did smoke fewer cigarettes a day. Well,
0: there's a a small win.
1: But that's, I mean, that's, again, what you would have expected. Okay. Right?
0: Do we go to higher doses?
1: That study kind of ended there, which is now we have the next two studies.
0: Dr. Poling, let's go up. Okay, now we're into the pilot studies.
1: So this is, I'm calling it the first pilot study because... The study that came out of the journal actually is the same team that did this study.
0: So plebony et al. But it was similar, al. it was similar guys. It was
1: the same group, like lab, basically. Okay. So it was their pilot study, and this was in 2012. So they took 37 cocaine dependent individuals, nine week double blind placebo controlled. So you know the, the mm-hmm. amazing whatever the target dose of one milligram twice daily, which is pretty the standard. standard. Mm-hmm. Um, And what they found was that there was lower odds of cocaine use than in the placebo group.
0: By two, by a factor of two.
1: Right. And it was statistically significant. Mm. And they showed this by three times weekly urine drug screens. Well, that's pretty cool. So um, this was a really super exciting finding.
0: Yeah. You did spe- spell individuals. You missed the L.
1: I did. So I this, just thank you. I just did notice. I also spent glutamatergic wrong in one spot on here, too. You missed I, that one. I
0: may have noticed. Now, the second study that they did was kind of the follow-up. And, and that's the that, one that, but that was, was also, just published. Yeah. And that was also a 12-week double-blinded placebo.
1: Yes. And this is the one that was just in the journal. Mm. titled Vareniclean Varen, Varenic oh, for the Treatment of Cocaine dependence in the Journal of Addiction Medicine yeah. just last month or so.
0: 156 people, so a little bigger.
1: Correct. And average age 52. Um, Young. Most of them were African-American men. Most of them, and I didn't get into the details of what most actually meant, but most smoked crack an average of 10 days a month, spending an average, I love that that they found this important, average of $560 a month on drugs.
0: Not necessarily just the crack.
1: Um, Just the crack. Okay.
0: Yes. So they did exclude people. They people did people that were on naltrexone, antabuse, modafinil. Um, interestingly, right. stimulants. hell hell, Haloperidol. I was going to hel- say haloperidol. Hel- um, benzodiazepines and anticonvulsants.
1: Now, anticonvulsants were excluded only in those who were on like off-label use of anticonvulsants. Mm. Kind of like we're going to talk about next week in your alcohol treatment, Um, but if they were on anticonvulsants for like a genuine seizure disorder, then they were not excluded. Yeah,
0: and by the way, that talk is one to wait for.
1: Um, Well, I mean listen to the rest of this one; we're almost done and then listen next week too.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's It piggybacks on last week. I'm telling you. (sighs) Anyway,
1: Uh, so what they were given is two milligrams daily dose of varenicline or a placebo but both groups also got weekly psychotherapy. Ah. So they're Primary outcome that they were looking at in the study was cocaine use, which they called an end of study. Cocaine use based on this three times a week urine drug screen thing like their first one. Secondary outcomes they were looking at was cocaine cravings, withdrawal symptom severity, cigarette use, and global improvement scale. Yeah, whatever that is. So this was a very disappointing study to me. I'm sorry. I was like reading this and I was like, serious?
0: Yeah, it's like. Okay, that was kind of anticlimactic. Let me go back to next week's talk. That's gonna be like boom.
1: But this is important. Okay. And this is important because, you know, I have had a patient with, with genuine cocaine use disorder. Correct. And you
0: Yep. It's like them. anything,
1: you just wanna help patients. And so really the end of this study showed no difference in the groups <laughs> in abstinence, cravings, withdrawal, severity, any of the things neither groups had major adverse events. So that was, that was good. Mm. Um, there were minor side effects, uh, you know, just in general with both groups. The only one that was significant in the Verana group was a little nausea, mm. which whatever. So what they postulated, what went wrong? Well, this was their way of somehow making the study have hope for the future. And I actually didn't dislike this. I'm glad they put this in there because it wasn't as negative a result in my opinion was the medication adherence. So only 60% of all subjects showed good mm. adherence, which didn't mean perfect. It just meant they actually like followed up and took most of their meds. When they weighed, and I spelled that wrong, when weighing and controlling for the adherence between the Varenicline group and the Placego group, there was still no improvement in cocaine use, though, mm. even when you you know factored that in. But those who are adherent in the Varenicline group did show significant improvement in smoking fewer cigarettes.
0: Just as a thought, I could do a study on people spontaneously doing jumping jacks and smoking, start them on
1: veranicleine, vin-
0: Vareniclean. and I would find at the end that uh, although they kept doing jumping jacks, they smoked less.
1: Smoke fewer cigarettes.
0: Yeah, smoke fewer cigarettes. I mean, it's a I mean, imagine a year of your life on this uh, study at, at least and getting to the end and go, "Dang."
1: I know. And it's and it's cuz their first st- study and they did kind of go into that like why their first study maybe was better they might have had a closer like supervision there's only 37 patients they all had really good adherence and and so you know they're still looking into you, mm. you kind of have to figure out was it all med adherence and they just happened to have a weird selection of people because yeah. their original pool that they pulled from to get these what 156 subjects was humongous Mm. so
0: so are you gonna wrap this up um, i'm gonna
1: wrap it up so the bottom line i hate having to say this we still need more studies for cocaine use dependence and use disorder um but there are studies so i want to give people like a heads up there are things being looked at for cocaine i can't say this word locasarin locasarin it looks like
0: locasarin
1: so that acts at the serotonin receptors, which is also something that cocaine impacts. Or
0: locuserine.
1: Locuserine. I think that's how you really say it.
0: Mm. And then anacist- anacetylcysteine. Acetylcysteine. So NAC,
1: which is a medication that balances glutamate and GABA, which would, again, make sense.
0: That one's been floating around for a bunch of things. So. It is.
1: It is. And then vaccines. And this is one that we are still working on um, getting NIDA to come back and talk about. Yeah. Um, we had, you know, the last speaker did have some things to talk about with cocaine vaccine. So I'm really hoping that. And then they're working on engineering human enzymes. So they're looking at how a normal person breaks down cocaine. And can we genetically, or it's not genetically, like lab create these same enzymes and give them to patients who use cocaine so it breaks it down faster so then they don't get that same rush, even though I I think meta-adherence would have to be a thing there because... The rush comes in four minutes. You're
0: like, okay, Heather, I just injected you with engineered human enzymes, and yes, your ears fell fell off, but you don't really crave cocaine. I don't know, engineered human co- enzymes. I'm,
1: it just sounds
0: cool. I'm skeptical, but okay. We'll so, wait for we'll wait for a study.
1: So, what did I do with my patient? Because of the intermittent heroin use and opioid use to kind of help counteract some of the. The issues with his cocaine, we did do suboxone in this patient, not for cocaine use disorder, so I am not stating that that is a thing for that. But kind of helping with the opioid cravings, even though it didn't seem like there was as much of that driving force, helping with that actually did minimize the cravings for cocaine as well. So it almost was like an indirect thing because it wasn't realized. I don't know. I, I, I'm not all for it. let's treat cocaine use disorder with Suboxone. That's not my thing here. It's, yeah. It's I, I was think, treating his opioid use disorder and it just inadvertently helped his cocaine
0: use. I think often you see people as well that are used, that have an alcohol use disorder and have a cake, like binge cocaine use or a cocaine use disorder. And sometimes getting rid of the alcohol use disorder, which is where, you know, they're at the bar, they, they get disinhibited. And then they move to cocaine. Sometimes that seems to, right. if you treat their alcohol use disorder, seems to kind of help.
1: So, right. so look at the whole patient.
0: Yep. Sometimes it's there's more than one way to. Don't say I'm it. I'm not going to say <laughs> it.
1: All right. So with that, we will let Casey I, take over. I have cats. Uh, oh, awesome. You love them too. And then we'll be back next week with more treatments for alcohol use disorder.
0: All right. Thanks.
2: giving me hope. Promise the world, promise the moon, promise the sun. The words in your mouth are just empty space. Today's the day that I'm done.